Hey Amen. Well, thank you all for coming. Uh, see. <laughs> all right, so we're going to continue. Hopefully, this this should be the last time uh, one for uh, the false teachers and the false prophets, and um, then we'll go to uh, the characteristics and qualities of a true teacher and a true prophet, and also um, after that should be teaching, and once we get there, we'll see whether or not churches of the day are actually following what's in the Bible. Yeah. All right, amen. Yeah. Right. Amen. So, we'll uh, let's uh, let's go to Luke chapter twenty-one. All right, so I tell you, this <laughs> it's, it's been an interesting topic. Uh, there's a lot more I could go with, but I don't want to continue on with that, and that's why I said it's important for us to learn about what a true teacher is and the qualities and character of a true teacher. Yeah. So Luke chapter 21. And this is actually similar to what took place in, um, in Matthew 24. So when the disciples approached Jesus and asking him basically when the end times, when his return will be. So we read Matthew 24, I think, last time. And then, uh, let's go to uh, the 7 first. Luke chapter 21, verse 7. All right. So they asked him, saying, Teacher, but when will these things be? And what sign will there be when these things are about to take place? And he said, Take heed that you not be deceived. For many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and the time has drawn near. Therefore, do not go after them. Alright, but when, verse 9, but when you hear of wars and commotions, do not be terrified, for these things must come to pass, but the end will not come immediately. So, let's stop right there. So, again, Jesus said that people will come in his name, saying, I am he. I think Matthew 24 says that they will come saying, I am the Christ. And I talked about last time when I talked from Matthew 24 that. It's not just people coming and saying, I am Jesus, I am the Christ, I am the Messiah, but it's also the pseudo-Christ, those that come in his name. What's interesting, I think I talked about this on a Wednesday, but I don't think I talked about it last time. <coughs> when It's interesting, I think it's safe to say that, well, first he's talking to the disciples here. Matthew 24 tells us that the disciples asked him privately. And it's interesting that note that I think if he's telling the disciples this, we should take heed as well, right? Because I think it's safe to say that the disciples knew Jesus better than any of us, right? So if he will warn the disciples of these things, then we should be on point too, and we should take heed as well. Because we got to remember, just more than the 12 walk with him, right? They walk with him, they talk with him, they listen to Jesus teach, they ate with him. So they knew Jesus. So he, but he's saying many is going to come in his name. So all throughout history, there are people that came and tried to claim to be the Messiah. And I talked about a while back how when the Messiah came, Jesus came, they were expecting someone to come in a military manner. But Jesus didn't come like they were expecting. So it threw a lot of them off, right? So, but it's important for us to know that if he wanted the disciples, then we had to take heed. So I think I talked about before, before I even started this, that you know, uh, Paul and John, they called out people by name. And I don't think I read one of those scriptures yet. So we're going to read them tonight. <laughs> so let's go to 3 John. 
begin at verse 5. Actually. All right. So this is the Apostle John, who we know was a disciple. Right. All right, so verse 5. Beloved, you do faithfully whatever you do for the brethren and for strangers who have borne witness of your love before the church. If you send them forward on their journey in a manner worthy of God, you will do well. Because they went forth for his name's sake, taking nothing from the Gentiles, we therefore ought to receive such that we may become fellow workers for the truth. So, just to give you a little background, these are what John is talking about here. Who he's talking about is the teachers that were going around from church to church, city to city, teaching about the word of God. And also combating against false teachers. Right? So, he's saying here that basically... Uh, Gaius was basically taking care of them and supporting them as well. And he's saying that, he, he's noting the fact that he's taking care of them, the fact that he didn't even know them, right? They were, they were strangers to him, but he knew they were teaching the word of God, so he was taking care of them. So that right there shows us that we should be supporting those, especially missionaries and teachers and things like that, when they're going around and teaching the true gospel. Oh, also, verse 7. This is the interesting part here, verse 7. He said, because they went forth in his name, say, taking nothing from the Gentiles. That word Gentile there is talking about the unbelievers. So these teachers were traveling, preaching, but they refused to take anything from the unbelievers. Now, you contrast that with today, where in today's time, the modern church, where they would take anything from the unbelievers. And what I mean by unbelievers, I'm talking about from companies and things like that. That's why a lot of them end up going and signing up and becoming 5013C. It's not for the uh, the members and the Christians, but it's for these organizations, such as uh, Walmart, Wawa, whatever. So they can donate to them, to the church, and then they can use it as a tax write-off for them. Right? But even though we know that churches are tax-exempt, but there's still a formal way on how they go about getting supplies and money from these companies. And uh, that that shouldn't be neither, right? Because what's going to happen, I think I talked about this a while ago with the 5013C, the government can control what you teach and preach about, right? So a lot of them don't realize that, but, you know, it, and it's unfortunate about what, you know, what's going to be coming ahead because they will be controlling what can be said, especially those that are under the 5013C. Alright, so let's go to verse 9. So remember, this is the Apostle John. So I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to have preeminence among them, does not receive us. So, someone who has uh, preeminence is someone who's ambitious for distinction. So, Diotrephes was someone who, this is John, he's calling them out because this is someone, well, actually, let me read verse 10, sorry. Therefore, if I come, I will call to mind his deeds, which he does, prating against us with malicious words, and not content with that. He himself does not receive the brethren, and forbids those who wish to, pulling them out of the church. So, these same teachers that one church was supporting, this one actually refused to support them. And not only that, he is falsely accusing the Apostle John. Right? So, he is somebody that wants to have notoriety, wants to be a leader within the church himself, and he's doing it at the expense of the Apostle John. Now, this is the same Apostle John who walked with Jesus, right? The same Apostle John whom Jesus said, who, well, we know in, in, uh, in the Gospel of John, he said, the disciple whom Jesus loved. 
The same Apostle John, who when Jesus was on the cross, committed his earthly mother to John. And here you have someone that's trying to falsely accuse John and his apostleship for the sake of trying to be important, trying to be at the top, trying to be a leader, and trying to be the forefront. That's not a God. But I, I note that because here John is calling them out. All right, verse 11. Beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. He who does good is of God, but he who does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has a good testimony from all and from the truth itself, and we also bear witness, and you know that our testimony is true. So here John, he, he commends two people and talks about one person that, that wasn't doing right. Alright, so somebody who's talked about somebody who is trying to be preeminent, which is a lot of churches and a lot of leaders in the body of Christ today, right? We've seen this for years where they want to have the biggest church, they want to have the most people, and they will do what they can just for that sake, right? So someone that I've mentioned before that is kind of that well not kind of is like that is Kenneth Copeland, right? He is someone who will brag about being a billionaire. And he's saying that God did it, and but we know it's not that. It's the people that, that basically he has fooled and deceived and has sown into his ministry. So I pray none of you are sown into his ministry anymore. But, it, you know, um, he, is, he is a swindler. But it's a, it's a lot of these churches, they, they go out there and they all want to be on TV and they all want to be seen and, and it's that movie star mentality. Right, and and that's really what, and it's really a trick of the enemy because you have you have mega church. Isn't it something that you can have a mega church and then you can have a pastor there that's probably only in his late twenties, early thirties, right? And he's got millions of dollars. That didn't just happen, right? That you know they, they haven't been pastoring of that mega church for years and, and so many time in that, but here they come and now all of a sudden they have all this money, right? There's something wrong with that. So now, going back to Kenneth Copeland. So my wife kept asking me. She kept wanting me to show the video. So I'm going to show a video here. In the minute of something he did, some of you may have seen it already, is when he was explaining, this just happened last year at his uh, Southwest convention that he normally has every year. Um, and this is what not to do and, and what he did. Um, basically, he was talking about, his message was talking about covenant and being in communion with God. And we're going to see here in a minute. Um, well, I'll just play it. So. And of how church, we're going to come into a salt part of our salary, covenant with one another. So he's doing so salt here. Salt. Salt. Speed through that real quick. Shaking it up. Shake it up, please. That's not a shake. I want you to see it, but. I've given you some of my salt. You've given me some of your salt. Can you separate your soul from mine? Absolutely not. Can everybody see that? We have become one in, the, in this ancient, simple life and, and savory and seasoning. Jesus talked about it. But so I wanted you to see it. This is your code. Yes, sir. This 
for that. And then we wonder why idolatry, why, you know, they suffer through certain things because look what they tie themselves to, right? And then when you support the ministry, things like that, you actually linking up with that, right? And there's nothing godly about that. Now, he's done other outrageous stuff, too. We're not going to go through all that because there was another one I was going to show. But if, you know, if you got YouTube, you go all look it up. But, uh, you know, where he's blown on COVID and things like that. And then one with Inside Edition. And then he changed, his whole demeanor changes. Where you can see his character, you know, the character of Christ is just not there. Right? But these are someone like him or who people follow. Right? And there's nothing godly about that, what he just did. But he will make it seem, and like I said, he comes back with this thing of, you know, you Western people don't know. Eastern people do. It's all a mind game there, right? But again, that's a paganistic practice, what he just did there. All right. All right, so let's go to 1 Timothy.
They say to operate in the gifts of the Spirit, but to teach them how to manifest the gifts of the Spirit, right? So we know that that's not of God because the Holy Spirit, Corinthians tells us, the Holy Spirit comes and gives the gifts, right? So it's not something we will to happen, right? But they will make people think that that's the way it's supposed to be, and that's how they're getting all these young people, right? Because all these people get uh, hooked into that. So now, going back to... Idle talk. So I remember I said idle talk is senseless, widely foolish. Okay, so this is Benny Johnson. This is her own words, so I'm going to read it word for word. Okay, so Benny Johnson said one of her students at the Bethel Supernatural School of Ministry who claims God told her to go to the chapel and yell, wakey, wakey. Okay? What? At, huh? What did you say? Wakey, wakey. God told her to go to the chapel at, at Bethel and yell, wakey, wakey. All right? As Johnson, you'll get the point here in a minute. Okay. As Johnson says, nothing happened for about five minutes, so the student turned around to cross the road to go over to a shop. As she turned around, she felt the ground begin to shake and heard this huge yawn. She looked back at the chapel, and a huge angel stepped out. All she could see were his feet because he was that large. She asked him who he was, and he turned to her and said, I am the angel from the 1904 revival, and you just woke me up. She asked him, why have you been asleep? The angel answered and said, because no one has been calling out for revival anymore. All right, so we know that that's not true, right? But they make these things up, and then people fall for it, hook, line, and sinker, right? And, and, and you got people trying to get to these schools, taking out loans and borrowing money to get to the school, to graduate the school, and you don't even get an accredited degree. You just get a piece of paper. Right. And there's people that have come out of school and talked about the false doctrine that's being taught there. They went there and they talked about how Bill Johnson and all them, they thought they were going to read the Bible. They get the Bible they find out that they're promoting their books more than the Bible. They haven't them read their books more than the Bible itself. Why? Because it's a brainwashing. And like I said, they come out and they start all these ministries and things like that. Alright, so... They also participate, Bethel does, in what's called grave soaking. Alright? So what that is, is they go to graves of quote unquote anointed men and women of God who've since passed away. Right? So one of their lead ministers went there. Um, his wife, Bill Johnson's wife, went there and did a video on it as well. They went to uh, Smith Wigglesworth's grave. And hugged, what they do is they hug the uh, what is the headstone. And try to get the anointing of that, right? So, now, he first comes out and says, no, we don't do that, we don't believe in that, but his wife was there with the video, okay? Now, this is what he said in his book, since he says he don't agree with it, he doesn't do that, but this is what he said in his own book. Uh, let's see. In his book titled, The Physics of Heaven, Johnson says, there are anointings, mantles, revelations, and mysteries that have lain unclaimed, literally where they were left, because the generation that walked in them never passed them on. I believe it's possible for us to recover realms of anointing, realms of insight, realms of God that have been unattended for decades, simply by choosing to reclaim them and perpetuate them to future generations. So this is why the people at the school go there and they do such foolishness, right? So let me ask y'all this. Tarot card reading. Is that of God or not? No, absolutely 100% no. But that's what they support. Right? 
So they are what so it came out that they had ties to someone that was doing tarot card reading. So Chris Valentine had wrote on his post said, I don't know where this is coming from. We don't support that. Blah blah blah. Alright. He posted that on on his Facebook page. He deleted it a couple days later. Because come to find out that it was uh, a couple, um, Jen Hodge, I can't remember the husband's name, from a ministry called Christ Alignment, okay? They have what's called uh, Psalms, cards, cards of Psalms, something like that. So what they do is they go to these New Age festivals, and you can look it up on YouTube, we're not going to play that video, but she dresses like a fortune teller, and they have these cards out, and it's supposed to be, they claim that they're biblical cards, but they're really telling people's fortunes. That, that's what they're doing. And there's one video where she's asking, so, well, the person that she's, uh, now mind you, these people who are going to these festivals, some of them, they have no clothes on. What? They, yeah, they have no clothes on, right? Not, not the so-called ministry people, but the people that attend it. Because it's a new age festival, these people don't even know Christ. And they're claiming that they're promoting Jesus, but what they call him is Christ Spirit. That's what they say, Christ Spirit. Right? So, Bethel took it down and said, well, we support them and what they're doing because we believe it is of God. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> Alright, so let's turn, since it's of God, it should be in the scripture, right? So let's turn to Deuteronomy 18. And this is why I said we will never play another Bethel song here. Right? Because when you do that, you support that stuff. Right? And, and even though their songs may sound good, but it's the same doctrine they're learning. So Deuteronomy 18. Oh, let me see what I want to Alright, verse 9. Verse 9. Deuteronomy 18, verse 9. So mind you, they're doing this thing because what she said was. They're doing it because that's what the people do, and um, it's a good way to have a witness or two. So remember we talked about, we've said it, some of us said it here before, instead of the church having an influence on the world, the world is having an influence on the church. So let's see what God has to say about that. Verse 9, when you come into the land which the Lord your God has given you, you should not learn to follow the abominations of those nations, right? So... That's what he was telling Israel, right? So that would still apply to us. Okay, verse 10. There shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or daughter pass through the fire, or one who practices witchcraft, or a soothsayer, or one who interprets omens, or a sorcerer, or one who conjures spells, or a medium, or a spiritist, or one who calls up the dead. For all who do these things are an abomination to the Lord, and because of these abominations, the Lord your God drives them out from before you. So I'm going to read this from the New Living Translation. Uh, begin at verse 10. For example, never sacrifice your son or daughter as a burnt offering, and do not let your people practice fortune telling, or use sorcery, or interpret omens, or engage in witchcraft, or cast spells, or function as mediums, or psychics, or call forth the spirits of the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. It is because the other nations have done these detestable things that the Lord your God will drive them out ahead of you. So there's a reason why God would have Israel 
annihilate these other nations, right? Because they were practicing these types of things. So let's go, that's the Old Testament, let's go to the New Testament, Acts 16. Acts 16 and 16. I might go a little bit longer today because I just want to finish this out. Alright. Everybody there? Yes. Alright. Acts 16 and 16. Now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with the spirit of divination met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul. Hold on. Alright. So let's talk about this possessed spirit here. So she was able to read people and things like that, and give a little bit of future revelation she's doing, same thing fortune tellers do, and tell a little bit about themselves, right? So sometimes we wonder when we come across people who operate out of the gift of prophecy, or sometimes call themselves prophets, we wonder sometimes when they start talking about things to us, how they know us so well, right? And then they start to foretelling things about us, and then we start taking heed to it, not realizing that that's not the spirit of God talking a lot of times. It is a familiar spirit. We have to understand that there are demonic spirits that, that, know, that, that know what we talk about, know what type of arguments, know what type of conflicts we are in on our jobs, right? Because a lot of times the conflicts on the job are caused, caused by these demonic spirits, right? So now these people will come and people will think that they're being, they're being led by the spirit of God, but it's really a familiar spirit. And that's what this woman has here, a familiar spirit. All right. Verse 17, this girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to us the way of salvation. Now, we would think, most people would think, oh, what's wrong with that, right? But let's see what Paul says. And this she did for many days, but Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour, but when her master saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. Notice Paul didn't speak to the woman, but he spoke to the spirit. Right? So that goes back again. We can't get caught up in dealing with the person. See, and I understand, even dealing with these teachings, even across my research, there are ministers out there that do combat this stuff, right? But they're way on the other side of the stream where they don't think miracles and signs and wonders are still for the dead. Right? But that's not the case. Right? So they also would think that apostles and prophets are not for today. But I can't find that in the Bible. Right? But they're not teaching things wrongly or falsely. So there's a difference between them and then what these other ministers I'm saying. Right? That's just a doctrinal difference there. But, you know, to each his own. But I would, ask, I would love to ask them, how do you explain a demonic spirit when you cast that spirit out and how they act? How do you explain when you're talking to someone and they're acting evil and mean one minute, then you walk out, you go and pray, and all of a sudden that spirit change. Right? Personal experience we've had with that stuff. Right? So, all that stuff is spiritual, and that's supernatural, and it's still going on today. Alright, so, understand, the stuff that these people are practicing and doing, it's is not of God. Right? So, everybody's familiar with, well, you may not be, the uh, revivals, the Lakeland Revival, with Todd Bentley. 
I, I know you guys are. <laughs> Alright, so um, I'm going to play a clip here in a minute. That is Todd White. Okay? Oh, yeah. So he actually flowed with them, but believe it or not, and I don't know if he still is, but he repented from all that. Um, at least nine months ago, I do know that. Right? And he said, and he told it before church that he was at speaking, he said he repented because he was teaching, realized he's been teaching the wrong gospel. Right? But the interesting fact is with him, he said that he didn't realize, well, he said he knew 16 years ago when he got saved what was the right gospel. But he was preaching the wrong gospel. Now, mind you, he got hooked up with Kenneth Copeland and all these new apostolic reformation people because Kenneth Copeland was his quote-unquote spiritual father. Right? So, he's following their lines. But he realized, he said, no, he said he was teaching the wrong gospel and he realizes you can't just call yourself a Christian, just be a part of the church, but still act like the world. That's right. That's what he said. And he said that he recognized and realized because he started reading Charles Spurgeon and started listening to another minister and the Lord started dealing with him about it and saying um, he realizes if you call yourself a Christian there should be a change and you you should be living a godly lifestyle of holiness right and, and you know and like I said that was not my I have found out about that today so um, I'm assuming he's still on point but I don't know alright so I'm going to play I'm going to play another video of from Lakeland. Um, this is from the Lakeland Revival. So these are, everybody is, is not the greatest picture. It's not, so he's being, Todd Bentley's actually being ordained by the who's who of the new apostolic reformation. Right? You got Bill Johnson, Peter Wagner, who quote unquote supposedly founded it. You have, uh, who else is there? Rick Joyner. All these people are ordaining this man. And as we watch a little bit, you can definitely see that there's a spirit on Mr. Bentley here. I'm going to play that and I'm going to play another one. That guy right there is uh, Cheyenne, something like that. He's supposed to be one of the higher ups in that. Uh, That's Mr. Bentley right there, smiling right there. And I know it's not the greatest picture, but look how he, it, that's not known.
This was after he fell and everything, and then he got exposed. Then he started allowing him to preach again. Right? So one of the ministers said, oh, we know he's not delivered. We're still watching him, but then they still allow him to preach and lay hands on people. Right? So this type of behavior that, that we're about to see right now is not the Holy Spirit. It's a pastor, her and her husband. You were singing that song. His wife. Show me your glory. Um, I felt impressed to open the scriptures to the very portion of scripture where Moses said, Show me your glory. And it was the very pinnacle prayer of Moses' life. What? Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. So understand, 
Paul mentions these guys twice. He mentions both of them in right here in this scripture, and he mentions both of them in 2 Timothy. He mentions Alexander in 2 Timothy chapter 4, and we're going to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Second Timothy chapter two verse fourteen. All right, uh, beginning at verse fourteen. Remind them of these things, charging them before the Lord, not to strive about words to no profit, to the ruin of hearers. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So, rightly dividing the word of truth means to cut straight to the point, to teach it correctly. All these ministers that I've named, with a bunch of others, do not teach the word correctly. Right? So, even when I talked about Creflo, when he first started, he taught the word correctly. But then when he got with Copeland and the rest of these guys, he started changing it. Right? So, if you're under the sound of the voice of a man or woman of God, and they're giving you a message, and they're not giving you scriptures, that's not dividing the word correctly. You should not be in a, in a message, and you're hearing an hour, 30 minutes, an hour, 45 minutes, and you only hear one scripture. Or two verses. That shouldn't be. Alright. But shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to what? More ungodliness. And that's exactly what these, these are examples right here. Ungodliness. And then people think it's correct. And there's nothing godly about it. And their message was spread like cancer. Hymenius and Philetus, there he goes, calling out. Hymenius again and another person are of this sort. Who has strayed concerning the truth. That means they were in the truth at one time. But they strayed away from it. Saying that the resurrection is already passed and they overthrow the faith of some. So because they said something that was not truth and was teaching something that was false, they were false teachers. Right? And this is what Peter, Paul, John, James, this is what they all were combating here. This is what Jesus warned us about. Why? Because this is what was going to happen. And it's increasing. More and more and more, especially with television now. It's increasing. And it's foolishness. And it's not a God. And people think they're getting closer to God. But they're not. And it's become, like I said, the gospel of the flesh. Because you think about it, they're given a message. When you try to take that message to someone who's lost, who's hurting, who's obviously they're unsaved, they're already selfish. And then you teach them, well, you come to God and you can be rich. You can be prosperous. You can be whole and healed all the time. So yeah, they're going to want that. But scriptures tell us that you're not going to be healed all the time. Paul left my lady sick. Elisha died of a sickness. Who was an anointed prophet? <laughs> but yet, people believe these lies. And again, see, bad teaching, bad living, and all about self. Understand, the true gospel message can be preached anywhere in the world.
to any economic person, whether it's rich, billionaire, the poor, and it will lead to their salvation. Health and wealth is not going to lead to people's salvation. You can't preach that to anyone. And then when you go to these meetings, not, not that I've been, but Karen Copeland's conventions and things like that, all these people on the front line are all people who have money. Oh, don't get me wrong, they're being deceived too. But that's where the bulk of the money comes from. Those are the ones that are given thousands of dollars. And that's why Copeland could brag that he's a billionaire. That's why he could brag about having multiple jets. And then everybody that was, the other ministers that were at that conference, same conference, Bill Johnson, Creflo Dollar, Jesse Duplantis, Bill Winston. All prosperity teachers. Not Bill Winston. Yeah, Bill Winston. I know, I know. I used to like Bill. <laughs> <laughs> so, alright, so Charles Spurgeon said this, I believe that it is anti-Christian and unholy for any Christian to live with the object of accumulating wealth. You will say, are we not to strive all we can to get all the money we can? You may do so. I cannot doubt, but what in so doing, you may do service to, to the cause of God. But what I said was that to live with the object of accumulating worth, wealth is anti-Christian. Jesus said this in Luke 6.35, But love your enemies, do good, and lend, hoping for nothing in return. But these people will tell you to give so you can get. Right? These are, this is uh, Gloria Copeland in her book, God's Will to Prosperity. Give $10 and receive $1,000. Give $1,000 and receive $100,000. That's not scriptural. But people fall for it. Right? I was guilty of it years ago. Alright, uh, Galatians chapter 2. We run through these scriptures here. Galatians chapter 2. <clears throat> Because he was to be blamed. 
For before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision and the rest of the Jews who played the hypocrite with him, so that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. Here, Paul is calling out Peter because he was being a hypocrite. Remember, who was the first one to go to the Gentiles? Peter. So when he went to the Gentiles, he was behaving one way, but now when the Jews come around, now he wanted to bring the Gentiles into bondage. Paul called them out face to face. That's what these pastors should be doing. That, when I talk about these false teachings and false prophets, how it's mentioned in 26 of the 27 New Testament, and then nobody's heard that in the church before. But look at the Apostle Paul. To Peter. Peter could have said, well, who are you? I, I, I walked with Christ. I walked on water. And that's what some of these bishops and some of these pastors would say. Who are you to tell me? You only been saved, you only have been pastoring the church for five years. I've been in this business for 20 years. That's what a lot of them say. Go down to verse 14. But when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before them all, If you, being a Jew, live in the manner of the Gentiles, and not as the Jews, why do you compel Gentiles to live as Jews? So Paul didn't take shortcuts. He didn't pacify people. You know why? Because he was going to do the will of God. Let's go to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy 3. Alright, I'm going to read this from New Living Translation. 2 Timothy 3, beginning at verse 6. We're going to read these all first and then we'll pull it out. They are the kind who work their way into people's homes and win the confidence of vulnerable women who are burdened with the guilt of sin and controlled by various desires. Such women are forever following new teachings, but they are never able to understand the truth. Now, even what's going on today, these people all claim to have something new. We learn in the Word, there's nothing new. Verse 8, these teachers oppose the truth, just as Genesis and John Brace oppose Moses. They have depraved minds and a counterfeit faith. But they won't get away with this for long. Someday, everyone will recognize what fools they are, just as with Janice and John Reeves. But you, Timothy, certainly know what I teach, how I live, and what my purpose in life is. You know my faith, my patience, my love, and my endurance. So what did I say? Bad teaching, bad living, and all about self. But what does Paul say? You know what I teach. You know how I live. You know what my purpose in life is. Paul was called to the Gentiles. But you know what? Paul still cared about the Jews. Right? Even though they were the main ones persecuting him, stoning him, he still cared about them and their salvation. Because he wasn't concerned about himself. Where evil people and apostles will flourish, they will deceive others and will then them they will then oh gosh, let me start a little. For evil people and apostles will flourish, they will deceive others and will themselves be deceived. So we wonder why these churches blow up so fast. Because they're imposters. They're, they're, they're not true men of faith. You, you have to wonder, and there should be a check in your spirit, especially when you see a church blow up so fast. What are they doing? 
And once again, when I talk about how these young pastors, late 20s, early, and I think it was David Wilkinson that I talked about years ago. He said, you know, it put pressure on these pastors that have been pastoring for years and their churches were small because people didn't want to hear it, but people had itching ears, so they will flock to these people. And there are professionals out there that teach you how to grow your church like this. They would go and do a study and a survey of what the community wants. And I got a picture I'm going to show, but not today, when I do it on, on the church and the teaching of the church. That was just right on point for what's today and what people are looking for in churches. All right, verse 14. But you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. All right, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Same thing. 
But Paul says, let them be accursed. And for good measure, he says it again. Verse 9, as we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you, then what you have received, let him be accursed. Verse 10, for do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still please men, I will not be a bondservant of Christ. And that's what these pastors are doing. They're trying to please people. Some will be in it for their selfishness. For other churches, especially local churches, they're trying to please people. That's why they won't talk about holiness. That's why they won't talk about the fruits of the Spirit. That's why they'll talk about the gifts of the Spirit. Because that's what people want. But the sad part is, New Testament talks about the fruit more than the gifts. But yet, Christians focus on the gifts more than anything. And then he talked, focusing on wealth. Right? But that's not the gospel. And understand, the true gospel is from Genesis to Revelation. Right? It's not just Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's from Genesis to Revelation. The Old Testament is right. to Christ. That's right. Right? But yet, we got churches that won't even teach the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. Amen. I'll stop right there. Amen. I'm done. You have somebody like Todd White that repents from that and said he was teaching wrong. And, you know, and you mentioned him before, uh, Benny Hinn's nephew, mm -hmm. right? So um, I didn't know who he was, right? I know who he was now. And, you know, he seemed legit, you know, but he's exposing the things that they were doing and how they were living, right? But then they want to come against him <laughs> and say he's been brainwashed, right? But what does the scripture say? Because that's what we're to stand on, the word of God. And the truth be told, again, a lot of Christians don't know the word, right? That's why they'll hear something from somebody. And it's because, again, we have this flesh, you know? The flesh doesn't want to sit down and read the Bible, yes. right? Yes. And, I mean, we, we've all experienced that. You know, none of us is exempt. Like, you know, as much as I love to read and study the Bible, there are plenty of times where I don't feel like reading it. At least my flesh don't, you know? The spirit is willing. You know, but it, 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 it's, it's really crazy out here. And you, you see how many people are being deceived. And, and it's right here in the scriptures. Paul talks about it, right? They're, they're preaching another gospel. And they're being led astray. And, and it's all foolishness. Right? And, uh, you know, I just thank God he, you know, he brought me up out of that. You know, and we, you know, we just got to continue to pray for other believers who are being led astray. And again, even for these people here who are teaching that, you know. I noticed recently on these pages, especially on YouTube, where these quote-unquote Christian people are now arguing with the Bible. Yeah. Like it's okay to drink. It's okay to get high. Mm -hmm. It's okay to pierce tattoos. It's okay to go to rock and roll concerts. Everything's okay now. Well, that's because these are the same thing these churches are mimicking. And even if you, you, there's a bunch of videos out there from these big churches. They're bringing all these performers in, and they're singing. And, and, it, and it's just like a, a secular concert. Well, it is a secular concert. It's just in the church. Right? And it's all lights, smoke, and they're doing the secular dances up in there. And there's just no fear of God. Right. And then we wonder, even when I talk about these young pastors coming, and then when they fall, we wonder why they fall. You know, but, you know, it, it, it's all, when you look at it, 
from a discerning point, it, it's all a setup by the enemy. It's all set up by the enemy. And uh, there are a lot of people that need to be pulled away from this stuff. You know, but again, local churches still want to follow it. And it's, it's not a God. It's not a God. You know, when you don't talk about sin, you don't talk about hell, <laughs> you, you don't talk about holiness, then you're not talking about the Word.